Chapter Four of Moments with Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. From The Gilded Age, eighteen seventy three. Colonel Sellers' Great Idea. Washington was not able to ignore the cold entirely. He was nearly as close to the stove as he could get, and yet he could not persuade himself that he felt the slightest heat, notwithstanding the isinglass door was still gently and serenely glowing. He tried to get a trifle closer to the stove, and the consequence was he tripped the supporting poker, and the stove door tumbled to the floor. And then there was a revelation. There was nothing in the stove but a lighted tallow candle. The poor youth blushed, and felt as if he must die with shame. But the colonel was only disconcerted for a moment. He straightway found his voice again. "'A little idea of my own, Washington. One of the greatest things in the world. You must write and tell your father about it. Don't forget that, now. I have been reading up some European scientific reports. Friend of mine, Count Fougier, sent them to me sends me all sorts of things from Paris. He thinks the world of me, Fougier does. Well, I saw that the Academy of France had been testing the properties of heat, and they came to the conclusion that it was a non-conductor, or something like that, and of course its influence must necessarily be deadly in nervous organizations with excitable temperaments, especially where there is any tendency toward rheumatic affections. Bless you, I saw in a moment what was the matter with us, and says I, out goes your fires. No more slow torture, and certain death for me, sir. What you want is the appearance of heat, not the heat itself. That's the idea. Well, how to do it was the next thing. I just put my head to work, pegged away a couple of days, and here you are. Rheumatism? Why, a man can't any more start a case of rheumatism in this house than he can shake an opinion out of a mummy. Stove with a candle in it and transparent door, that's it. It has been the salvation of this family. Don't you fail to write your father about it, Washington, and tell him the idea is mine. I'm no more conceited than most people, I reckon, but you know it is human nature for a man to want credit for a thing like that. Colonel Sellers lets himself out. The supper at Colonel Sellers was not sumptuous in the beginning, but it improved on acquaintance. That is to say, that what Washington regarded at first sight as mere lowly potatoes presently became awe-inspiring agricultural productions that had been reared in some ducal garden beyond the sea, under the sacred eye of the duke himself, who had sent them to Sellers. The bread was from corn, which could be grown in only one favoured locality in the earth, and only a favoured few could get it. The Rio coffee, which at first seemed execrable to the taste, took to itself an improved flavour when Washington was told to drink it slowly, and not hurry what should be a lingering luxury, in order to be fully appreciated. It was from the private stores of a Brazilian nobleman with an unrememberable name. The colonel's tongue was a magician's wand that turned dried apples into figs and water into wine, as easily as it could change a hovel into a palace, and present poverty into imminent future riches. Washington slept in a cold bed in a carpetless room and woke up in a palace in the morning. 
at least the palace lingered during the moment that he was rubbing his eyes and getting his bearings and then it disappeared and he recognized that the colonel's inspiring talk had been influencing his dreams fatigue had made him sleep late when he entered the sitting-room he noticed that the old haircloth sofa was absent when he sat down to breakfast the colonel tossed six or seven dollars in bills on the table counted them over said he was a little short and must call upon his banker then returned the bills to his wallet with the indifferent air of a man who is used to money the breakfast was not an improvement upon the supper but the colonel talked it up and transformed it into an oriental feast by and by he said i intend to look out for you washington my boy i hunted up a place for you yesterday but i am not referring to that now that is a mere livelihood mere bread and butter but when i say i mean to look out for you i mean something very different i mean to put things in your way that will make a mere livelihood a trifling thing i'll put you in a way to make more money than you'll ever know what to do with you'll be right here where i can put my hand on you when anything turns up i've got some prodigious operations on foot but i'm keeping quiet mum's the word your old hand don't go around pow-wowing and letting everybody see his kiards and find out his little game but all in good time washington all in good time you'll see now there's an operation in corn that looks well some new york men are trying to get me to go into it buy up all the growing crops and just boss the market when they mature ah i tell you it's a great thing and it only costs a trifle two millions or two and a half will do it i haven't exactly promised yet there is no hurry the more indifferent i seem you know the more anxious those fellows will get and then there is the hog speculation that's bigger still we've got quiet men at work he was very impressive here mousing around to get propositions out of all the farmers in the whole west and northwest for the hog crop and other agents quietly getting propositions and terms out of all the manufactories and don't you see if we can get all the hogs and all the slaughterhouses into our hands on the dead quiet phew it would take three ships to carry the money i've looked into the thing calculated all the chances for and all the chances against and though i shake my head and hesitate and keep on thinking apparently i've got my mind made up that if the thing can be done on a capital of six millions that's the horse to put up money on why washington but what's the use of talking about it any man can see there's whole oceans of cash in it gulfs and bays thrown in but there's a bigger thing than that yet a bigger why colonel you can't want anything bigger said washington his eyes blazing oh i wish i could go into either of those speculations i only wish i had money i wish i wasn't cramped and kept down and fettered with poverty and such prodigious chances lying right here in sight oh it is a fearful thing to be poor but don't throw away those things they are so splendid that i can see how sure they are don't throw them away for something still better and maybe fail in it i wouldn't colonel i would stick to these i wish father were here and were his old self again oh he never in his life had such chances as these are 
Colonel, you can't improve on these. No man can improve on them. A sweet, compassionate smile played about the Colonel's features, and he leaned over the table with the air of a man who is going to show you, and do it without the least trouble. Why, Washington, my boy, these things are nothing. They look large. Of course they look large to a novice, but to a man who has been all his life accustomed to large operations, pshaw! They're well enough to while away an idle hour with, or furnish a bit of employment that will give a trifle of idle capital a chance to earn its bread while it is waiting for something to do. But, now just listen a moment, just let me give you an idea of what we old veterans of commerce call business. Here's the Rothschild's proposition. This is between you and me, you understand. Washington nodded three or four times impatiently, and his glowing eyes said, Yes, yes, hurry, I understand. For I wouldn't have it get out for a fortune. They want me to go in with them on the sly. Agent was here two weeks ago about it. Go in on the sly. Voice down to an impressive whisper now and buy up a hundred and thirteen wildcat banks in Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, Illinois, and Missouri. Notes of these banks are at all sorts of discount now. Average discount of the hundred and thirteen is forty-four per cent. Buy them all up, you see, and then all of a sudden let the cat out of the bag. Whiz! The stock of every one of those wildcats would spin up to a tremendous premium before you could turn a handspring. Profit on the speculation, not a dollar less than forty millions. An eloquent pause, while the marvellous vision settled into W's focus. Where's your hogs now? Why, my dear innocent boy, we would just sit down on the front doorsteps and peddle banks like Lucifer matches. Washington finally got his breath and said, Oh, it is perfectly wonderful. Why couldn't these things have happened in Father's Day? and i it's of no use they simply lie before my face and mock me there is nothing for me to do but to stand helpless and see other people reap the astonishing harvest never mind washington don't you worry i'll fix you there's plenty of chances how much money have you got in the presence of so many millions washington could not keep from blushing when he had to confess that he had but eighteen dollars in the world well, all right, don't despair. Other people had been obliged to begin with less. I have a small idea that may develop into something for us both, all in good time. Keep your money close and add to it. I'll make it breed. I've been experimenting, to pass away the time, on a little preparation for curing sore eyes, a kind of decoction, nine-tenths water, and the other tenth, drugs that don't cost more than a dollar a barrel. I'm still experimenting. There's one ingredient wanted yet to perfect the thing, and somehow I can't just manage to hit upon the thing that's necessary, and I don't dare talk with a chemist, of course. But I'm progressing, and before many weeks, I wager, the country will ring with the fame of Beriah Sellers' infallible Imperial Oriental Optic Liniment and Salvation for Sore Eyes, the medical wonder of the age. Small bottles, fifty cents, large ones a dollar. Average cost, five and seven cents for the two sizes. The first year sell, say, ten thousand bottles in Missouri, seven thousand in Iowa, 
3,000 in Arkansas, 4,000 in Kentucky, 6,000 in Illinois, and say 25,000 in the rest of the country. Total, 55,000 bottles. Profit clear of all expenses, $20,000 at the very lowest calculation. All the capital needed is to manufacture the first 2,000 bottles, say $150. Then the money would begin to flow in. The second year, sales would reach 200,000 bottles, clear profit, say $75,000. And in the meantime, the great factory would be building in St. Louis to cost, say, $100,000. The third year, we could easily sell one million bottles in the United States and... Oh, splendid, said Washington. Let's commence right away. Let's... One million bottles in the United States profit at least 350,000, and then it would begin to be time to turn our attention toward the real idea of the business. The real idea of it? Ain't 350,000 a year pretty real? Stuff! Why, what an infant you are, Washington! What a guileless, short-sighted, easily contented innocent you are! My poor little country-bred know-nothing! Would I go to all that trouble and bother for the poor crumbs a body might pick up in this country? Now, do I look like a man who... Does my history suggest that I am a man who deals in trifles, contents himself with the narrow horizon that hems in the common herd, sees no further than the end of his nose? Now you know that that is not me. Couldn't be me. You ought to know that if I throw my time and abilities into a patent medicine... It's a patent medicine whose field of operations is the solid earth, its clients the swarming nations that inhabit it. Why, what is the Republic of America for an eye-water country? Lord bless you, it is nothing but a barren highway that you've got to cross to get to the true eye-water market. Why, Washington, in the Oriental countries, people swarm like the sands of the desert. Every square mile of land upholds its thousands upon thousands of struggling human creatures, and every separate and individual devil of them's got the ophthalmalia. It's as natural to them as noses are, and sin. It's born with them, it stays with them, that's all that some of them have when they die. Three years of introductory trade in the Orient, and what will be the result? Why, our headquarters would be in Constantinople, and our hindquarters in further India. Factories and warehouses in Cairo, Ispahan, Baghdad, Damascus, Jerusalem, Yedo, Peking, Bangkok, Delhi, Bombay, and Calcutta. Annual income, well, God only knows how many millions and millions apiece. Washington was so dazed, so bewildered, his heart and his eyes had wandered so far away among the strange lands beyond the seas, and such avalanches of coin and currency had fluttered and jingled confusedly down before him, that he was now as one who had been whirling round and round for a time, and stopping all at once, finds his surroundings still whirling, and all objects a dancing chaos. However, little by little, the seller's family cooled down, and crystallized into shape, and the poor room lost its glitter and resumed its poverty. Then the youth found his voice and begged sellers to drop everything and hurry up the eye-water, and he got out his eighteen dollars and tried to force it upon the colonel, 
pleaded with him to take it, implored him to do it. But the colonel would not, said he would not need the capital. In his native magnificent way, he called that eighteen dollars capital, till the eye-water was an accomplished fact. He made Washington easy in his mind, though, by promising that he would call for it just as soon as the invention was finished, and he added the glad tidings that nobody but just they two should be admitted to a share in the speculation. When Washington left the breakfast table, he worshipped that man. End of chapter 4